Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, an opportunity to obtain a valuable dairy diploma at UCC, heifer calving recommendations from Edmund Curtin, Dairy Gold Ruminant Area Sales Manager, plus several other items. The Cork Summer Show 2023 is taking place today and tomorrow, 17th and 18th of June. Mr. Robert Harkin, Chairman of Munster Agricultural Society. Robert, welcome to the programme. Now, a very important event taking place over two days, the 17th of June and the 18th of June, the Cork Summer Show. John, the Cork Summer Show, uh, a major event um, and has been going on for many, many, many years in Cork, um, is on the 17th and the 18th of June at the Cork Showgrounds uh, in Corraheen in Cork. Um, it's a phenomenal day out, or two days out. It's a, it's a massive event, um, bringing, attracting crowds of over 50,000 uh, for, for, for the two days. And we have lots and lots of uh, things that will happen on the day, uh, from oh, amusements, food demos, retail stalls, kid zones. We have a full bar. We have a dog show. We have a motor zone you know, which has motor and vintage. Uh, we have an outdoor market. We have small animals. Um, on the Saturday, we have the, 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 the cattle showing, which is a huge event for us. Um, and we have uh, cattle that travel from all over um, a Munster and further afield to, to compete at this. Um, and we have some show jumping. We have equine events. With health and wellness, you know, I won't say it's a miniature version of the ploughing championship, but it's something along the lines of it. Like even the health and wellness, you know, for, 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 from the farming community, it's, it's, it's all very important. So all of this we've tried to integrate into it. And then, you know, from a children's point of view, if you bring your children along, we have small animals, we have a phenomenal petting zoo, um, you know, and then you have the big machinery for, the dads to look at and the, and the, and the, and the older kids. You know, we've, we've lots of things that go on like that at the show. There's a website where people can find out more about the Cork Summer Show, www.corksummershow, all one word, dot com, all lowercase. Okay, so the Cork Summer Show, it, it's easy to remember. So the Summer Show and it's Cork Summer Show and it's corksummershow.com and everything is up on that, including... Uh, all the different facilities that will be at the show, but more importantly, how you can get your tickets. And, you know, we have lots of on-site parking, but more to the point, we have um, park and ride facilities. So you don't have to actually drive to the Cork Summer Show. You can get the car, the, the, the uh, free park and ride from Ballincolleg, from um, the Black Ash and various other locations around the city. So you don't actually necessarily have to, uh, to, to drive there. And we also have the 208 bus, the, the Cork City bus uh, extended, and it comes to us at the Cork Summer Show. So you can hop on the 208 bus in any part of the city uh, and, and it'll bring you to the door of, of the Summer Show as well. Thank you, Robert, very much indeed. The Irish Farmers Journal has teamed up with KPMG for the 11th year to publish an in-depth agribusiness report. The report examines the impact of legislation, regulation and innovation on farming practices. 
It also looks at the competing forces of sustainability and productivity, which are driving up prices for Irish farmland and at the knock-on effect this has on the consumer. According to the Massa report, free with this week's edition of the Irish Farmers' Journal, the trade-off between productivity and sustainability is set to be the story of Ireland's land use over the next decade. And that's all in the tremendous supplement with this week's Irish Farmers' Journal, a review of land prices in Ireland. And writing in the Irish Farmers' Journal this week, Mr Adam Woods, beef editor for the journal, points out that a new €60 per cow sucker scheme is getting the green light. He points out the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlotte Conlogue, has given the green light to roll out a new €28 million beef welfare scheme aimed at suckler farmers. The Department of Public Expenditure and Reform cleared the €28 million funding required to replace the BEEP-S scheme on Monday last. The Irish Farmers' Journal say they understand an IBR hair testing programme and meal feeding pre- and post-weaning will be amongst the scheme requirements. Reacting to the delayed 27th of June final committee vote before possible progression of the nature restoration law to the next stage, a full plenary session of the European Parliament, the ICMSA president, Mr Pat McCormack, said that gathering opposition as to the full ramifications of the law become apparent was encouraging and would prove decisive. Mr McCormack said the Taoiseach's pronouncements on the obvious overreach inherent in the law were to be welcomed, but Mr Varadkar was now bound to explain how he was going to guarantee farmers that no aspect of the nature restoration law would be compulsory on farmers. Mr McCormack pointed out the law itself did not appear to contain the voluntary dimension that the Taoiseach's position rested on. The ICMC would be insisting there could be no degree of compulsion and that the law itself should recognise that absolutely there will be no degree of compulsion on the farmer to implement the nature restoration law as set out at the moment. Mr Marco Sullivan, B&T Dairy Advisor, Charles Cork West, Derara Clan Kilty. First of all, Mark, welcome to the programme. Now, looking at the issue of grass growth, grass growth and grass quality still an issue with our dry weather. What actions can farmers take this week in our heatwave? Yeah, I suppose, John, um, I suppose this week uh, farmers and advisors as well are a bit more optimistic. Um, the mood is a bit better with the forecast. So some rain has fallen yesterday, um, not as much as we'd like, and hopefully the, the, the week ahead is mixed and broken. So that's, I suppose, positive from a farmer's point of view. Just maybe looking to put it into context to where the growth rates have been with my own farm when I ran it yesterday. Uh, growth are only around 30 um, a day, which is, is very low for this time of the year. And the so- soil moisture deficit in this part of the world is nearly two and a half inches, so there's a lot of rain to replace that. I suppose, just maybe to put in context before the quality, um, quality generally hasn't been an issue in terms of graze-outs because grass has been so tight and average farm covers have been low. So I suppose from that point of view, we're starting from a good base. I suppose rainfall that has fallen... Um, a farmer told me yesterday, rain today doesn't mean grass tomorrow. So I suppose the message I would have is to keep the ration or keep the meal in for another couple of days, if not a week, until the growth matches where the demand of the herd is. Um, and I suppose when I talk about matching demand, if you're measuring your cover per livestock unit, should be up on 180 to, um, to 200. And 
to work it back into rotation lengths, really a minimum 20-day rotation. Um, and if you're finding you're fully feeding your cows on a 20-day rotation with the only 2 kgs a meal, you should be somewhere back on target. Um, I suppose immediately after rain, we, we normally get... Um, we get a drop in dry matter in the grass, so cows generally will be that bit looser and unsettled. And for another reason, maybe to keep that meal in for a couple of a couple of days. And when the stronger growths do come again, I suppose my message would be to identify the the poor quality paddocks on farm now, so that maybe in a couple of weeks' time they would be the paddocks that we try and correct and take out for bales. And and maybe one point maybe on to finish on that one, John, is the twelve-hour allocations. I'm encouraging farmers to come away from that now once the rain does come and and go to 24-hour grazing allocations. And I suppose as not to restrict cows and and their intake. And I, I know my own clients a lot of reservations about this 12-hour allocations. What some farmers are doing is instead of halfing a paddock and the other half for tonight, give three quarters of the paddock now and leave that that buffer we call it at the end to drop the wire and um, it, it's a halfway house for people that do have the reservations about going more than 24 hour allocation as we stand now speaking on the 15th of june for fertilizer recommendations in the current dry weather any general tips we know you can't crystal ball exactly but in general any fertilizer recommendations for farmers in the current dry weather yeah, I suppose Jen, the, the the current is if the if the growth is very slow or stop completely that you stop, and generally speaking, some of that fertilizer will there be a residual effect with fertilizer, so it will be carried through even after the rain. So not to go directly before rain, if paddocks and parts of the farm have already received fertilizer and have not used up. The other side of it is there will be a lot of nitrogen release or fixation. Um, after rainfall. So currently it's the moisture is the limiting factor as opposed to nutrients. So there will be a kick, we suppose, of background nitrogen release. So once the rain does come, it's back to normal nitrogen rates, so a unit a day, um, there or thereabouts. But I suppose more importantly, as I mentioned earlier, the grass has been really stressed and it's in reproductive stage where, where there's a lot of seed head thrown out. So compound fertilizers, P and K, and, and the sulfur, and they are not to be forgotten. Um, particularly the phosphorus, the plant has been stressed, and cow, cow requirement generally, uh, they have a high requirement for phosphorus at this, this time of the year, particularly around breeding time. Um, so getting some sort of compound out onto, um, onto paddocks, or either slurry or your, your higher compound. And I suppose... The sulfur and the K really work hand in hand with nitrogen uptake. They, they help to increase the efficiency. So if you haven't got sulfur or K in the yard, really now is the time to order it. And I would certainly be looking at, as I said earlier, I'm optimistic there will be bursts of growth in the next two weeks after rain, that maybe if there's no P and K in the yard now, is to maybe look at getting it in, particularly if there's going to be surplus bales or paddocks to come off the farm hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Now, a very important event uh, upcoming very soon. Tell us the date of this very important milk quality walk and location and the farm, etc. Okay, so the walk, uh, John, um, the Carberry Milk Quality Winner Walk, Ian Kingston, um, the walk is in collaboration with Chagas Kandrina. It's on Wednesday the 21st at 11.30. 
and it'll be signposted from Dunmanway and Drummer League. So Wednesday at eleven thirty, um, and yeah, Dunmanway and Drummer League, it'll be signposted from. I suppose the farm just maybe to touch on it because it's a uh, it's a big walk down this this part of the world, um, John. The the farm itself is interesting in terms of its geographical makeup in that it's five, between five hundred and eight hundred and fifty foot in elevation, um, and its annual rainfall is well over two meters. Um, and I suppose fifty percent of the farm is is classified as heavy soils. I suppose what will be on display, if you like, or the boards. The milk quality and cow performance is obviously one, and I suppose one one that stands out for me the profitability of the of the farm. There's a board on that, and I suppose an interesting stat is that the farm keeps hold of between fifty to sixty percent of the receipts that enter the farm gate. So, Ian Ian himself, the farmer, will talk us through how he manages that expenditure. And I suppose one other thing then, um, the grass and management and soil fertility trends. We will. Be discussing that and I suppose Ian has put in uh, to improve his infrastructure has put in 200 passes in the last two to three years so maybe that is one um, that's one item that is now on the TAMS that it's grant aided so I'm sure there'll be some interest and some eagle eye to, to get ideas from from Ian's 200 passes. Now you might just have an air code do you have an air code uh, number or reference for the farm? I, I, I do Jan uh, it's P, P for Papa 47, W, P, Papa again 96. So P47, W, P 96. And just to confirm, that's the Carberry Milk Quality Walk, Wednesday 21st, on the farm of Ian Kingston. So I think we would expect a, a good turnout for that. So any other points or upcoming events you'd like to remind our listeners about? There, there is the sheep, the sheep um, event in Gartine on this Saturday. Um, so if people haven't made arrangements, it's probably late in the day to be making arrangements. Uh, but maybe one other thing that I might mention, because I'm, I'm trying to mention to my own clients, to, to do a winter fodder budget, and I know the Grass 10 new, newsletter are promoting to do, do a budget for the winter ahead. And I suppose we know the first cuts have been, generally have been very good in quality and quantity. Um, but as most farmers have had very small reserves carried through. So maybe to plan for second cut now so that the farm is self-sufficient for the winter ahead. And, and if it's not going to be, is to make arrangements now um, if your budget is showing you a deficit, that you will have a deficit. So that may mean trying to source other forage or else cutting back in the numbers um, of stock on the farm. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Mark O'Sullivan, B&T Dairy Advisor, Charles West Cork, Rara, Clonakilty. Thank you very much indeed, Mark. Thanks a million. OK. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr. Edmund Curtin, Ruminant Area Sales Manager, Dairy Gold Agribusiness. First of all, Edmund, welcome to the programme. Now, looking at the heifer situation and rearing calves, heifer rearing, of course, is hugely important for dairy farmers, a very important task for our farmers to get right. I think you would more or less agree with that and can give uh, some reasons why. Yeah, certainly, John. I mean, look, at the end of the day, cows are, or the heifer calves are the future of your herds. They are your cows. They are the future of the herd for the next number of years coming on. Vitally important to get the steps right. I mean, people think of their heifers coming on and they see their yearlings or their weanlings in the slatted houses over the winter. But they must realise that the calf rearing is the real key to getting your heifer on target throughout her lifetime, as all, as all the steps as they go along. Um, I mean, look, it does impact performance and profitability on dairy farms. It is a huge factor in it. 
I mean, the latest figures indicate the cost of the area heifers to calve down even at 24 months is costing 1,550 euro. The cost doubling if she doesn't go on calf until she's 36 months of age or if she's carried over. So a heifer calve at 24 months uh, won't start to leave her profit until halfway through her second lactation. But a heifer not calving until she's 36 months may actually never leave her profit is actually the best. That sounds very stark, Edmund. What causes this slippage in age of first calving, would you say? There are a number of factors with it, John, but it was predominantly poor f- fertility in heifers, which leads to delay in their first calve is often caused by heifers not reaching their target weight along the leaps, if you want to call it that, from early in life and being underweight by mating start date as well. So I suppose underweight heifers would always struggle to, qu- to hit puberty and to cycle correctly, and this in turn is leading to poor conception rates and slippages and calving dates. So I suppose it really affects the heifer going calf the first year, but also she's slower to come back in calf as well as she's struggling to hit the, the, the weight as she goes along. That in turn actually will hinder the second calving as well. It can often cause heifers to calve as well as the second calver later than the calves at first calving, as they're not strong enough basically to um, go back in calf for the second year either. Furthermore, I suppose, look, these smaller heifers, if they do happen to go in calf, as I said, they're struggling to reach their mature weight from the over, of what the overall herd are. Also, they produce less milk in their first lactation. This can all be avoided if we just tune into our heifer calves now and ensure their target weights are being met. And that's from the very time she hits the ground as a calf, that you're ensuring as you go along the way at four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks, before, after and during weaning, that you are hitting the target weights and just that farmers are very conscious of it. I suppose, look, there is a lot going on in dairy farms, that'd be fair enough, but definitely isn't worth an awful lot to pay attention to the very small attention to detail with, with getting heifer calves up to that weight. Now, trying to zoom in, what should farmers be doing now, Edmund, to actually manage their heifer calves? Any information there you can give us or recommendations or info? Yes, yeah, certainly, John. I mean, look, we're in the middle of June now at this stage. There's, these, a lot of these heifer calves are about three to four months of age now at this stage. I mean, look, there is a fair visit. There is a very important step of the race, right? But furthermore, I suppose, look, what we need to do at this stage is um, basically you need to weigh them and see where you are from here. Um, basically, what you're doing is you want to weigh them, you want to see if they're on target or not. It'll take a bit of time, but it's time very well spent because they are the future ahead of this. I mean, the objective to have is to have all calves and in-calf heifers on target for the coming winter, really. At grass over the summer, it's the easiest time to boost any off-target stock. And if stock are behind target over the winter, it will cost more and concentrate to boost your daily live weight gains. And if they're still behind target heading into next spring, you won't have any time to solve the, the issue really. Next thing you know, it's time for breeding. And then look, if you're back 30 to 40 kilos and where you need be, it is the case that you won't actually gain that gain your weight from where you need to be then. So that, that, as I've reiterated already, John, it's having your heifer calves on target all the time as you go through the, the, the rearing period, really, is what is what most important is there. Now, looking at ideal target weights, what target weight should farmers be looking for, Edmund? Sure, look, it's a kind of an open question, Dan, to, to a degree. I mean, it all depends on what individual cow, mature cow weights are for each individual herd. I mean, if you have a very extreme kind of a big Holstein type for cow, 650 kilos, maybe 600 kilos in that kind of bracket, wouldn't be would be the general mature weight of a cow. 
other ways if we're talking about maybe a high EBI kind of freezing cow or a crossbred cow, they're going to be that light or they're going to be back near 500 kilos, maybe into 550. Um, but like, it's all relative to the herd, as I say. But I suppose, look, as in a rough rule of thumb, for a six-month-old calf now, it should be 30% of their mature cow weight. While an 18-month-old in calf heifer, it should be about 70% of their mature cow's weight. So again, focusing basically on what each individual cow herd and a third of it, they should be about 30% of what they are. So I suppose, look, to put a few figures in it, John, if we're talking about a 600 kilo heifer, then your weaning heifer should be 180 kilos at six months of age, and then your in-calf heifer should be about 420 kilos at 18 months. Trying to summarise, what can a farmer do now if his heifers are off target? You've uh, some points there of importance. Sure, look, again, it's a simple step-by-step kind of a, a thing, really, John. I mean, the first step, really, is one should weigh the heifers, and after that, then you could take all your weights. And you separate any underweight heifers from those that are at or above the target weight and give priority in grazing and maybe an extra bit of meal into to calves in an underweight group. Um, you'd feed maybe one to two kilos a head per day in underweight heifers. Uh, calves on good grass plus meal will gain about 0.8 of a kilo a day, which is 100 kilos in 125 days. So there is time now, so the point is, John, there is time now to correct any check-in weight that's occurred from the calf-rearing season. And like that, some some farmers might have experienced health issues or performance issues in the calf-rearing period up to now. There is still time to, to correct it, but the one thing in people's favour with heifers at the moment is that the conversion of heifers is about 1 to 5 at the moment. As they get older, it'll be about 1 to 10 when they're over about 280, 300 kilos. So the conversion inside that less feed will give you more gain at this stage. What you'd have to do after that, Jim, John, is look, re-weigh heifers in, in six weeks. If they're old enough to join the, the main group, then put them back in with the main group and you'd have to have less of priority. You'd have all the priority stuff together. This uh, heat wave that hit us, bearing in mind the current uh, heat wave, any special measures, welfare measures or otherwise? Younger animals in particular, ensure they would continue to thrive against what might be very uncomfortable yes. circumstances. And if we can keep grass quality ahead of all kinds of stock, whether it be cows or in calf heifers or calves, that would be the, the main thing really there to focus on. I mean, look, it's easier said than done at times with the kind of drought weather conditions we experience here in our own Cork City. I look at the end of the day, we need to supplement based on that if grass is in a short supply or if quality is of an issue, we need to basically supplement heifers or young stock uh, accordingly with meals if it is the case. Now, in fairness, in calf heifers, generally would do okay and very good quality silage supplemented with grass. With your calves at this stage, if grass is an issue and very tight, I would suggest I would suggest feeding meals of a kilo and a half, maybe up to two kgs, with some type of a long fodder as well, if in very short supply. Um, the basics in with that, John, don't overlook the amount of water that young stock and cows especially can drink or, or have the potential to drink at the meantime. Um, high temperatures with it as well. If young calves and that can be maybe put into sheltered paddocks and things like that, just to take the heat stress off them all the better. This heat stress can lead to maybe health, health issues, maybe like pneumonias down the line, if weather conditions do, or if temperatures rather do happen to go back, there may be issues like that from a heat stress. Paying attention to good animal welfare always reflects itself in the farmer's pocket in the end. So I suppose for any type of livestock, not just younger livestock, but for all livestock in this heat wave, keep a close eye on your stock and attend to their welfare, bearing in mind the need for water. So thank you very much indeed, Mr Edmund Curtin, Ruminant Area Sales Manager, Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Thank you, Edmund, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, sir. No problem. 
Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. On Monday, 19th of June, 2023, UCC and Taste for Success Skillnet are launching a new postgraduate diploma in dairy technology and innovation. With details, Miss Bridie Corrigan Matthews, Taste for Success Skillnet Network Manager. Bridie, welcome to the programme. We are a network of um, enterprise-led businesses, uh, companies of all different sizes, ranging from uh, micro artisan producers through to indigenous, larger indigenous um, food processing, production, manufacturing organizations, right up to the larger uh, multinationals uh, producers. So quite a range, and we cover all of the 26 counties of Ireland, including uh, along the western seashore, we would um, deliver a lot of specialized seafood and fish filleting skills along the West Coast Islands. Um, so probably, we believe, one of the largest uh, food, drink, seafood networks in Ireland. Um, and in the last year or two, we've had over 700 organisations, companies um, engaging with us annually uh, to upskill their, themselves and their employees. Remind our listeners what the title of this qualification is, the date of its launch, time and venue. And of course, I think a number of government ministers will be represented at this very important launch taking place in just a matter of days. So on Monday morning, uh, the 19th of June at 8.30, we are launching the um, new specialised training pathways for dairy professionals. And in particular, we are launching the new postgraduate diploma in dairy technology and innovation and a brand new Masters of Science in Dairy Technology and Innovation. So these are the first in Ireland um, and a very, very important innovation for the dairy sector. What we are doing, what the Specialised Training Pathways model involves is um, a highly innovative and unique um, pathway that will help uh, a variety of people across both the dairy sector and those who wish to enter the dairy sector. So what we mean by pathways is that we will have multiple entry and exit points for dairy, for industry-based learners who, who are either currently working in the dairy sector or who may, you know, wish to come across and, and bridge from sectors such as the um, bio, the pharma or the tech sectors. So these... Um, stackable bridging qualifications allow them to, stu to study a very specific piece of, of food science that will then enable them to access the diploma, uh, the postgraduate diploma program, and then will lead on to the master's program. So these are known as um, stackable, flexible uh, learning. Also, we are delivering them in a blended, flash in a blended fashion so that... Um, you know, they can be uh, both online and in-person training. And I understand uh, in connection with a course which has been in operation at UCC since 2016, this is building on the success of the Postgraduate Certificate in Dairy Technology and Innovation, co-developed with Chagask and uh, being delivered at UCC since 2016, building on this. That is correct. So initially, um, Chagas had uh, developed the um, postgraduate certificate 
And um, as you say, the postgraduate diploma and the masters, uh, in, the masters in the dairy technology and innovation, these are the, the follow-on programs that Taste for Success Skillnet has been working closely with UCC and the Food Industry Training Unit and Professor Seamus O'Mahony um, of the Dairy Science Centre of Excellence. So we've been working very closely with them over the last four years to design, develop and these programmes and with input from a number of key industry dairy players as well. Certainly that sounds very interesting indeed. Speaking to Miss Bridie Corrigan-Matthews, Taste for Success Skillnet Network Manager. Bridie, could I just ask you to give details of uh, contacts, perhaps email contacts or phone contacts or any kind of contacts where a listener could find out more, people who perhaps uh, might not be able to attend the launch on the 19th of June, on Monday, 19th of June. Perhaps you could give some contact details for people who would like to find out more and possibly avail of this tremendous opportunity. Okay. So, John, um, our our website, which is www.tasteforsuccess.ie, will have all the information on it, as will the UCC website. And... um, uh, the contact number I can give out at the moment is for the Taste for Success Skillnet, and that will be um, 043-668-5287. So that's a, a direct number, but also uh, info, that's I-N-F-O, at Taste, and that's T-A-S-T-E, the number 4, success, S-U-C-C-E-S-S dot I-E. And we will be sharing the information on LinkedIn and Twitter and other social media platforms. Our government, the Irish government, will be represented at the highest level at the launch on Monday 19th, 8.30am. So you might give us the name of the minister, whom I understand is coming along with other dignitaries. Yes, John, we are delighted and honoured to announce that uh, Minister Simon Coveney, Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment, will be launching the event and he will also be um, assisted by Professor John O'Halloran, the President of University College Cork. Also speaking will be our Chief Executive of Skillnet Ireland, Mr Paul Healy, and some other key dignitaries speaking at the event will be Professor Paul McSweeney, who is the Vice President for Learning and Teaching at University College Cork, also Professor Seamus O'Mahony, who is the Professor of Dairy Science at University College Cork. And we will have Ms Pauline Dignan, who is the Human Resource Manager at Carberry Group. So we have some very high-profile and very exciting people that will be presenting at the launch. Speaking to us, Bridie Corrigan-Matthews, the Programme Manager, the Network Manager for Taste for Success Skillnet. The date of this event, the title of the event... And when and where is taking place? I understand it's a very early start. It is indeed. So the event is taking place on Monday morning. Then that's Monday, the nineteenth of June. At it's commencing at eight thirty with refreshments and registration, and uh, then the formal uh, launch itself will kick off at nine twenty. So we're asking people to arrive at eight thirty a.m. for some uh, for registration and refreshments. And uh, the formal part will kick off at 9.20 in the morning.
Is this open to anyone who is interested in obtaining or trying to obtain a postgraduate diploma along the lines you've been discussing? Yes, John, we have um, quite a significant registration uh, at the moment and registration has closed. But if there is somebody that is interested, particularly an organisation that is operating in in the dairy sector or providing into the dairy sector or or part of um, a supply chain to the dairy sector and would like to attend, uh, they can still register um, and they will find the registration details on our website, which is www.taste, T-A-S-T-E, the number four, success, S-U-C-C-E-S-S dot I-E. So we would encourage anyone who is interested in looking at these specialised pathways for dairy professionals uh, to upskill and uh, their, their employee talent base, we would absolutely encourage them to register and attend, but they do need to register. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed for all of that excellent information and great opportunities open there to some of our listeners who'd like to follow through with it. Thank you very much indeed. Taste for Success Skill Net Network Manager, Miss Bridie Corrigan-Matthews. Thank you, Bridie, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Bernie Carroll, Public Relations Officer for the 2023 Charleville Agricultural Show. First of all, uh, Bernie, welcome to the programme. Would you please remind our listeners when the show is taking place? OK, John, how are you? It's great to speak to you again. Um, Charleville Agricultural Show is on Saturday, June the 24th and Sunday, June the 25th. Um, opening hours are 9 to 6, both days. And it's on at Pie Cross, Ballyhay, Charleville, and the Green Cork, Limerick Road. To get full value, try and arrive early, but certainly, regardless of when you arrive, there will be plenty of parking space. Yes, we have lots of parking space, and we're very grateful to the local landowners who offer their um, fields to us every year free to uh, park all the vehicles, particularly on the Sunday, which is a very, very big day. And there can be sometimes an issue with traffic and we have to keep the roads clear in the interest of safety. And we are very, very grateful to our landowners for the valuable use of their land for the two days. The two-day show, you feature cattle, horses, ponies, sheep and poultry. On the Saturday, we will have the showing of the ponies and we have show jumping both days. We have the judging of the dairy and the beef on the Saturday. Uh, we have pony club games on Saturday. We have the judging of all the decorative classes, horticulture, adults and children's art, craft and cookery. All that judging goes on Saturday morning. And then once the judging is over, that's open to the public as well. And, of course, we have lots and lots of trade stands, great interest this year again. Things are back to normal to pre-COVID time, thankfully. We have, as well, John, to mention the very um, entertaining Pets Corner. The kids absolutely love it, and it is spectacular to see as well. And we have, on Saturday, bagels. Um, we've had a display of bagels for the last few years, and they have become very popular. So I suppose it's important to mention that the dairy and the beef are on Saturday, because sometimes people come on Sunday to the show and be looking for the kettle, and it's Saturday, so it's it's important, I suppose, to highlight that. 
So then on the Sunday, we have the showing of the horses. We have show jumping again on Sunday. Uh, we'll have the judging of the sheep. We have all-time crafts. And this year we have a new attraction, which is um, Health and Wellness Advisory Clinic. So it's basically um, practitioners uh, from the area that are all basically self-employed people. And they're coming and giving their time voluntary to speak. Um, they'll each get half an hour each to speak about what they do and what they can do for people with a pain in their neck or a pain in their shoulder or different things. They do different treatments, a lot of holistic therapies. And uh, it would be a big attraction as well for um, male and female. So that's a new thing we have this year that we haven't had before. And a lot of people are actually ringing up about it to know what this is about and can we come and can we help. So it's all about that. So as well on Sunday, as you mentioned yourself there, John, earlier, we have the dog show and very, very popular on the Sunday. And we have a baby show on the Sunday. And, of course, we'll have all the trade stands again on the Sunday. And it's important as well as both to mention that on Sunday from about 11 to 3, we have free entertainment for children. Because as a family going to an agricultural show, it can be an expensive day out because the kids want to be in the amusements all day. So we have this year provided free entertainment for, I think, five to six hours uh, for the kids as well. So that's good. And also on the Saturday this year, we have live entertainment and music with Dermot Lyons. And on Sunday, we have John McNichol and Dermot Lyons again. So there'll be plenty of music, song and dance around the field, which will create nice um, atmosphere as well. That sounds wonderful. And of course, as always, if we have the hot weather, if we still are in the heat wave, plenty of catering and refreshments and ice cold drinks or whatever kind of drinks are needed to refresh people and uh, make them, you know, make it into a really uh, an ice cream a couple of days. Yes. Like, I suppose Charitable Show has always been known as a family fun day, you know, and at the moment we're just, uh, we're running a competition on our Facebook page uh, for a family to win a free family pass. We're actually giving away two family passes. So they're going to the people with that send in the best comments and it's just mind-blowing, the comments that we've got from people about we go to the show every year, we look forward to it, the kids love it, now they're bringing the grandchildren in. It's amazing comments. So on Monday we'll be announcing the winners of that competition as well. So that is good for us as well because it's good advertising and it just gives us a better feel of what people, how people feel about the show. Now, Charleville Show has expanded over the years until it's nearly number two nationwide as a, an agricultural show, you know, rivaling Tullamore and all those big names. Can you recollect um, roughly... When was the first Charleville show? I know some years ago you celebrated the 40th anniversary. So That's can you right. Write, the first Charleville show was when, Barry? The first Charleville show was in 1979. And some of the committee on the show, as you know, we're a voluntary organisation. Some of the committees that were on the very first committee are still um, on the committee today, 42 years later. It's tremendous because this is a great example of people on a purely personal basis, home crafts, home cooking, and the baby show. That's a wonderful opportunity for the very proud mothers to yes. co compete the baby's uh, early competitors. 
Yes, indeed. And the baby show is always a very big attraction as well. Like I think last year we had something like 200 entries in the baby show. It's crazy. But it's lovely and people come up and say, where's the baby show? Where's the baby show? So all those little things, you know, they're different and every mother is so proud, our father are so proud of their child. And you know what? And every baby that enters as well gets a rosette, which is lovely. And we've under one, under two, and under three, and we have the baby of the show. It can be a tremendous source of pride when a cook or a housewife or a husband or a member of a family win a prize for home cooking because you usually have a big tent where great examples of home cooking. Nowadays, we're so concerned about food and additives and all this type of thing. It's wonderful to see that so much wholesome home cooking can be done and presented at the show. Absolutely, and everybody loves to win the Red Roses, a charitable show. And, you know, in most of the classes now, particularly in the cooking and in the arts and crafts, you know, they have cups as well, and they take the cup home for the year, and it's fantastic. And it's like in the dairy section, we have the All-Ireland Junior Cow competition, and the judges come from abroad every year because you really can't have Irish judges for it. And um, they have said the standard of the cattle in that class is just unbelievable. Every year they're saying they're top class. And a lot of them then would go on to other shows and win there as well. Do you know what I mean? Later on there, like as you mentioned, they're Tullamore as well. So that's very popular. And in the beef section then as well, we have the young handlers, where it's the young kids like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds uh, walking their animal around and getting prizes for it. And it's it's fantastic to see the young people getting involved as well. We should pay tribute to all of those voluntary workers, tremendously important, crucial voluntary workers. Absolutely, John. Over the two days, like we would have, I'd say, about 180 to 200 volunteers between stewards, people doing car parking, people... Uh, typing up the results of the show, people in the secretary's office, people just um, going around to the gates, giving people food that are selling tickets on the gates. There's just, you just wouldn't believe the amount of people. And on the week of the show, they all turn up at the showgrounds and what do you want me to do this year and how can I help? And as well this year, we um, have, I think, eight or ten new uh, committee members and they're all younger people thankfully because we have found it so hard to get people to volunteer um i don't know if it's people's lives are much busier now or something like that but it's very difficult people don't want to make a commitment to go on committees but the rewards are fantastic you know i mean on the sunday evening there after a successful show you say with all the hard work that went into it and the arguments of the meetings and people disagreeing with different things um it's worth it all and in very practical terms, it can be useful for a younger person if they're seeking employment or looking for their first job, applying for the first job, to have on your CV the type of work, the type of contribution you made to such an important organisation and event as the two-day Charleville Agricultural Show 2023. So for younger people volunteering, there might be no cash in hand as such, but certainly something very important for their CV, it could be the basis, uh, you know, of a very important contribution to your CV starting off. Absolutely, John, and I even see it myself, you know, if I'm advertising for a staff or whatever, and if I see on their CV that they volunteer, they different things, I said, these people are willing to work. It 
just it's very good to have something like that on your CV that you volunteered it doesn't make a difference what you volunteer that but if you're willing to volunteer you're willing to work Could you please remind our listeners where they can check out Charles Ryan Cultural Show look at your history and any information so you have a web yeah. page or a Facebook page We have page? an Instagram page we have a Facebook page and we have a website and the website is www.charvelshore.com and in that you can see all the classes that are on every day, everything is itemized and you can also book tickets online through the website. So the website is a good tool of um, to give people information of what's on what day as well if they're unsure and like we'll be having ads in the newspaper this week as well so and they'll be quite detailed of what's on every day as well. And the Facebook page is very active at the moment as well, you know, advertising the different events that's on on the different days as well. So if people uh, want to chance to look to win a family ticket to the show, I would recommend they just enter our Facebook page. All they have to do is put up a comment, like it and share it, and the winners will be picked on Monday. To mention, which is another key part of the show, John, would be our sponsors. Like some of the sponsors we have, we have them since the very start of the show and we are very uh, deeply indebted to them all that they continue sponsoring the different classes and without that kind of sponsorship and financial support, you couldn't run the show because, to be fair, the show now is costing over 200000 for a two-day show. The expenses are going up every year. So we need sponsors and what we'd like to, especially as both mentioned, Kerry Group, who are our main sponsors of the show and I have been with us since they came to Charleville and it, they, you know it's just thanks to them as well so every bit of support we get either voluntary or financial or whatever is greatly appreciated Thank you very much indeed for your patience and all that fabulous information Miss Bernie Carroll Public Relations Officer for the 2023 Charleville Agricultural Show Thank you Bernie and We hope to see you at the show Take care And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now I'm John O'Connor Thanks to our contributors Barry O'Mahony News Editor 96FM and C103 Marie Tug, News Reporter 96FM and C103 Plus creator of the regular Farm Talk podcasts A very special thank you to you the listener for tuning in The Saturday Farm Programme 7am to 8am and the midweek edition on Wednesday evening 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.